Thank you, choir and orchestra. I suppose that we all are familiar with the story of the wilderness wanderings of the Hebrews. The truth is, most of us end up wandering in the wilderness at some point or another. Occasionally, I will talk with some of our college students and ask the question, what are you going to do when you graduate? And sometimes someone will say, well, I'm, I would like to wander around for a year or two and, and uh, see America or maybe see some of Europe and so forth. Well, that sounds like a plan. Probably not one that your parents are as enthused about as you might be because they're ready for you to get a job and start paying for yourself. But what about the spiritual wilderness? We also end up in the spiritual wilderness. Now, what causes that? How do we end up as believers in a spiritual wilderness? Well, sometimes it's because of sin. Because of sin in our lives, we end up wandering in the spiritual wilderness. For instance, there was David. God chose David to be the king of Israel. No one believed in David, not his father, not the prophet, just God. God chose him to be the king of Israel and then he became involved in adultery with Bathsheba. As a result of that, for some time, he wandered in the spiritual wilderness. Then there was Solomon. God chose Solomon to be the king of Israel. When, when Solomon became the king, he went to the Lord and he said, God, give me wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom that I might lead your people faithfully, that I might be a good leader to the people to whom you have called me to lead. And then the Bible says that Solomon married 700 wives and had 300 concubines, so much for the wisest man in the world. And then the scripture says, for it came about when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. Sometimes we end up in a spiritual wilderness and my guess would be that some of you today would say that you are in the spiritual wilderness. Sometimes we get there because we allow sin into our life. Sometimes we get there simply because of bad decisions that we make in life, professionally, even in our marriage. And that's Seems to me that husbands are especially prone to that. I heard about a, a woman who was having some depression, some difficulty. She and her husband went to see the counselor and the counselor examined her. He questioned her. He talked with her and so forth. And he came back to talk to the husband and he said to the husband, your wife is depressed. She does not feel valuable. She doesn't feel that you love her anymore like you once did. And then he went over to the woman, took her in his arms, and passionately kissed her for a long time. Then he turned to the husband and said, she needs that three times a week. <laughs> and the husband said, okay, how about if I bring her in on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday? <laughs> Sometimes we end up in the wilderness simply because of bad decisions, but there are times when we are in the wilderness not because of bad decisions, not because of sin, but because of our commitment to God, and so that is the case in our text today. As we look at these Hebrews in the wilderness, 
These were not those at Kadesh Barnea who listened to the spies and decided they could not go into the promised land because the people there were giants. These were their children and they were trying to be obedient to God. Take your Bibles, look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 8 beginning in verse number 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land which you shall eat food without scarcity in which you shall not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Perhaps today some of you are in the wilderness and I want us to consider the wilderness. First of all, it is a place of learning. The root word for wilderness can be translated to speak, to declare, to command, to promise. The wilderness is a place of learning and ladies and gentlemen, we all at times end up in the wilderness. He says that God has led you in the wilderness. You see, sometimes it is in the in the area of our marriage. It started with such promise. When you married, it started with promise, but somewhere along the way, you detoured into the wilderness. Maybe it is in the area of your marriage, perhaps in your finances or maybe spiritually. We all end up in the wilderness at times and that is a difficult place to be because it is a place of waiting. I, I am not a patient person, and I know that some of you are not either. And when we're in the wilderness and we're waiting for something to be done, that is a difficult place to be. It reminds me of the old story Jer Jerry Clowers told about going coon hunting. And uh, he said that he went coon hunting. They found a coon that went up in the tree, and so I think Jerry went up there to try to get it out and while he was there, the coon began to scratch at him and bite at him and so forth. And he said, finally, he just yelled to those below him, 
just shoot up here amongst us, somebody has to have some relief. When we are in the wilderness, that oftentimes is our response. Lord, just shoot up here amongst us because someone has to have some relief. God led us in the wilderness, he says. Well, if God leads us in the wilderness, it means then he is present with us in the wilderness. Right? If you are in the wilderness, God leads us in the wilderness, then God is present with us in the wilderness. The psalmist said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for thou art with me. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are in the wilderness today, God is saying, I have led you in the wilderness. It means that he is present with you in the wilderness. And it means that he provides for you. He said here, I've provided manna for you. Something you knew not of. I've provided for you. So when we are in the wilderness, he says that God is present with us. He provides for us. But why does God lead us in the wilderness? Why do we go in the wilderness? Well, you'll notice there in verse number two, he says that we are in the wilderness that he might humble us. Sometimes we are in the wilderness because it is a place where God humbles us. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we go in the wilderness because we are not yet ready for what is before us. And it is a place where God is preparing you for what is to come. When you look at the Hebrews, they were in the wilderness being prepared because you see the wilderness is God's boot camp. The wilderness is not necessarily a place of punishment, but instead it is meant to be a place of preparation. When the Hebrews were in the wilderness, they were about to face the Philistines, but God knew they were not ready to face the Philistines, and so he led them away from the Philistines. So the Bible says in Exodus 13, verse 17, Now it came about when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. This was the shortest route. Even though it was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. So the reason they were in the wilderness is because they were not ready to face the Philistines. You see, they were still slaves in their heart. They had been slaves. They were not warriors. So they were not ready to face the Philistines. So God then left them in the wilderness while they were being prepared to face the Philistines. Sometimes we are in the wilderness for a period of time because we are not ready for what is before us. When God called me to preach, I didn't immediately come as pastor of First Baptist Church, Columbia. Now, had you asked me, I would have. Because I didn't have enough sense to say I'm not prepared. You see, I pastored three other churches before coming here because it was God preparing me to come here. 
And each one of those churches taught me something that was necessary for me to come to this church. Sometimes we are in the wilderness because we're not yet ready for what lies before us and God is protecting us in the wilderness. And then he says, testing you. He is protecting us and he is testing us. Unfortunately for the Hebrews, they failed the test. In Exodus chapter 15, they had been released from bondage. And there they are singing the song of Moses. They are ecstatic. They have been given their freedom. So they're singing the song of Moses. They're praising God. They're dancing. They're joyous. But then in Exodus chapter 15, verse number 24, it says that they were murmuring and grumbling. That is just three days later. Testing us. Sometimes we are in the wilderness to learn something. But there are those times when we are in the wilderness and we are not learning what God wants us to learn because we are grumbling and murmuring about what is happening. The wilderness is a place of learning. The wilderness is a place of doubt. When we are in the wilderness, the fact is we begin to have doubts about the future. Verse number 2, And you shall remember, all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. So what he is saying, when you are in the wilderness and you begin to have doubts, remember, remember how God has led you. How God has led you through your life. How God has led you from one place to the other. Remember how he has led you how he has sustained you, how he has delivered you. Remember, because he's sufficient. The Bible tells a story about the Apostle Paul having a thorn in the flesh. There's a lot of speculation as to what the thorn was. Truth is, none of us knows. We can speculate, but we don't know. Paul said he went to the Lord three times asking for the removal of the thorn and God's response to him was, my grace is sufficient for you. When we are in the wilderness, sometimes we're crying out, God, deliver me. But we need to remember that God has led us, that God has provided for us, that God sustains us. When we're in the wilderness, we begin to doubt if God is really concerned about us. Can't you imagine the Hebrews when they were in the wilderness? They had to think, God, if we are your chosen people, what are we doing in the wilderness? Lord, if we are your people and you have said you're leading us to a land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey, then God, what are we doing here? Do you not care? Are you not concerned about us? When you and I find ourselves in the wilderness, oftentimes don't we doubt whether or not God is concerned about us? Don't we doubt whether or not God really cares? Junior Hill is a Southern Baptist evangelist. Love Junior. He is a, he's a good preacher, great preacher. 
but he is also, uh, he's a funny guy. And he said, I, I wonder what the father's up to when all the invitations I get come from New Hope Baptist Church, No Hope Baptist Church, Lost Hope Baptist Church. Don't you feel that way sometimes? When everything around you is falling apart, you find yourself in the wilderness and you begin to say, God, don't you care? I know you do because I do too. When you're going through those difficult times in life, you find yourself in the wilderness. There are those times when we cry out, God, do you care? Do you care that I'm hurting? During the wilderness, we have questions about our usefulness. I'm sure the Hebrews must have thought, are we ever going to get to the promised land? God told us that he was taking us to a land of milk and honey, a land of promise. Are we ever going to get there? Will we get there? God spoke to Abraham and told him that he was going to have descendants. Abraham was 100 years old and he still didn't have any children. Don't you think he must have thought, am I ever going to have children? Will I ever have a descendant? Will there be a legacy that I leave behind? What about Jeremiah? Jeremiah was a young man and God said, I want you to be my prophet. And then Jeremiah went through all that time of suffering. He went through that time of difficulty in his life. And he must have thought during that time, God, can you really use me? I would imagine some of you have doubts about God using you. God, can you really use me? Can I really be used by you? Can you do something with me? And folks, we, we doubt sometimes, but our faith is not to die. See, I, I know that I'm not one who has a real problem when people doubt. Because I think when, in truth, we all have those times of doubt in our life. But our faith is not to die. That's the thing that is important. Even during those times when you're doubting, even during those times when you're struggling, you continue faithful to God because you continue with faith in God. And that was Abraham. Abraham was an old man. He still didn't have children. I'm sure there were doubts in his life, but he never lost his faith in God. Some of the strongest verses in Scripture I think are found in Romans 4, verses 20 and 21. It's about Abraham. With respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. My friend, you may be in the wilderness today for whatever the reason, you may be in the wilderness. And maybe you're going through that struggle. Does God care? Is God concerned about me? Is God going to be able to use me? Is it ever going to happen? Don't lose your faith. It's okay to doubt, but don't lose your faith. 
We have questions about purpose. In verse 2, you shall remember the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. Why? That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So what is God doing when we are in the wilderness? What is, what is God up to when you are in the wilderness? Well, first of all, he is teaching you independence. He is teaching you to be dependent upon him. So you see in verse number three, and he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So when they were unable to feed themselves, God fed them. Look at verse number four. Your clothing did not wear out on you. God preserved their garments during this time. The clothing didn't get old. He continues in verse number four, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. They had health. God guided them. They didn't know where they were, much less where they were going. But God provided a, a cloud during the daytime and a pillar of fire by night to guide them. So is God doing anything when you're in the wilderness? Yes. He's providing for every need that you have so wilderness is a place of doubts, but it is not a place where our faith should die. Then the wilderness is a place of victory. You can have victory even in the wilderness because God is faithful. Look at verse number 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills. See, that's, that's the promise of God. And God is truthful Thus, he cannot lie and will do what he promised, right? God is truthful. He cannot lie, the Bible says. He will do what he promised. He is omniscient. Therefore, he cannot be deceived or make a mistake. He is omnipotent. He has the power to meet your need, whatever your need happens to be. And he is unchangeable because the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever. And then progress is being made in the wilderness. Did you notice that he said your God is bringing you into a good land? Progress was being made. They were closer to the promised land than they had ever been before. Now they're out here wandering around in the wilderness but the point that God is saying to them is that you are closer to the promised land than you've ever been before. My friend, even if you are in the wilderness today, God is at work in you to make you like Jesus. It was years ago I went through one of those times, uh, one of those dry spells in my Christian life, wandering around in the wilderness. and I was so frustrated. I was talking with Marion Warren, who was an evangelist, and I said, Marion, I, I don't know, I just don't think I'm ever going to be like Jesus. I hear you laughing because you've probably said the same thing. But here's what he said to me, and it was great help to me. He said, Wendell, if you look at Jesus and you look at yourself, you're never going to be there. He said, but if you look at Jesus and you're closer to him today than you were last year, you're going in the right direction. 
Even in the wilderness, God is at work in our lives, making us more like Jesus. And therefore, we keep our eyes on the promise. He says in verse number 8, A land of wheat and barley, of vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, honey, a land where you shall eat food and which you shall lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you've eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Keep your eyes on the promise. Even if you're in the wilderness today, look at the promise. Don't look at all that's going on around you, all the battles that you're facing, the doubts that you have. Keep your eyes on the promise because God keeps his promises. I read a wonderful story uh, about a little five-year-old black boy in California who was dying with lung cancer. His mother came to the hospital to see him, as she did regularly, and the nurse told the mother, said, your boy is hallucinating. Said, he has been hallucinating for some time now. Said, he keeps talking about bells. He's hallucinating about bells. And the mama said, my little boy isn't hallucinating. He isn't out of his head. Because you see, I told him when he gets to hurting real bad, so bad he can't stand it. If he'll look up towards the sky and listen real hard, he'll hear the bells of heaven ringing for him. It'll be Jesus ringing those bells ready to welcome him home. And that little boy talked about the bells until he died. My friend, are you in the wilderness today? Don't know how you got there, but you just say, I'm really in the wilderness today. This is a dry time for me. It's a dry spell for me. Spiritually, I'm in the wilderness. Let me suggest to you that with ears of faith, Hear the bells saying that the wilderness is ending and the promises of God are about to be fulfilled in your life. Even when we are in the wilderness, God is with us. He is teaching us. He is guiding us. He is preparing us for what lies ahead so don't miss it. Don't miss the lesson that God wants to teach you in the wilderness. Our Father in God, I come and lift up to you each person who's here, each one who watches by television. Lord, because I know that there are those struggling in the wilderness, and I pray today that their focus might be on the promises of God, a promise-keeping God who walks with us, who gives us victory in the wilderness and who fulfills the promises. I pray, Lord, for each one in Christ's name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir will sing a hymn of invitation. An opportunity for you to respond to God. You decide what you're going to do. You can be obedient. As Job said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. You can be disobedient. But I encourage you today to say yes to the Lord. Reach out to Him. And He will fulfill His promises in your life.
Stand with me, please, as we stand. They sing, you come. I'll greet you, should do. can remain standing because this will take just one moment. Discipleship now begins this evening at 5.15. The real ministry kicks off Tuesday. The prayer conference Friday and Saturday. There is a free lunch for our college students over in 1420. And if you have any prayer needs, these deacons with red badges on would be happy to pray for you. We're so glad that you are here today. We will... Uh, and all that I've said is in your bulletin. Take it and read it. There's no need me reading it to you. I assume you can read. So you take it and read it, and we'll have prayer, and then we're dismissed. Gracious Father and God, thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for the lessons that you teach us, even when it's uncomfortable. We pray in Jesus' name.